How will autonomous machinery change your farming operation in the near future? That's what we're talking about in this episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately. Extreme Ag, we've already made the mistakes so you don't have to. Managing your farm's water resources is a critical component to a successful and sustainable farming operation. Advanced Drainage Systems helps farmers just like you increase their yields up to 30% with their technologically advanced water management products. Visit ADSPipe.com to see how they can keep your business flowing. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey there, welcome to another fantastic episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. I got Matt Miles, one of the founding fathers of Extreme Ag, McGee, Arkansas. He's got uh, quite the farming operation going. In fact, he just worked with some Fint equipment over this last year, and I was down there to film stuff with him. And so that's why we thought he'd be appropriate to be on here with uh, the brand manager for Fint, Brandon Montgomery. Okay, autonomous machinery. We've been hearing about it for a while. Uh, I went to the uh, the the event in Ohio. That's this big outdoor farm event. I think they call it, uh, you know, farm. It's their version of Farm Progress Show, if you will. And we we're going to see the first autonomous tractor. And it looked like someone took a Case IH tractor and took a blowtorch and cut the, the cab off of it and said, see, we made it an autonomous machine. I'm like, this is kind of a letdown, folks. That's not really where I think the future is going. It was the prototype, if you will. Brandon, we're going to have autonomous machinery, and I don't think I don't think it looks exactly like what we think it looks like still. But I want you to tell me where we're going with this. It's a great question. I think everybody has their own interpretation of what autonomous machinery looks like. Is it something like you saw without a cab? Is it the same piece of equipment that you have today, but there's just no operator inside the cab? Is it a swarm? of small, tiny machines that go out and do the job. What does that look like? And I think everybody's got a different vision of what that looks like. Our vision with Inside Fent is to begin the phases of automating the, the crop cycle for our farmers. And inside of that is many different cycles from you know spring tillage to planting, to crop care, to harvesting. And we got to take each of those carefully on how we progress through it. Um, we're also doing a retrofit path as well too. So we will also in parallel to that, we want to free up the mindset for the customers that you can also do this with your current piece of machinery too, and not force you into trading into something brand new that is only has that capability. So we've got a kind of a dual path associated with this to solve um, some of the big challenges that our farmers are facing. Before we hit the record button, Matt, I said, when you said, uh, well, I'm going to make sure I know what my role is. I said, well, you're the farmer. You're the guy that has a bunch of employees, <laughs> a bunch of acres to get over. Some of the acres you go over a lot. You're a cotton producer. And you told me the smart, I've, I've learned so much from my buddy, Matt Miles. First off, cotton, as according to Matt's dad, is a plant that looks for a reason to die every day. And he says, Damon, we go over this, we go over this cotton acre uh, like about every seven days. So the mm -hmm. point I'm saying here is rice, uh, 
you, you know, you've got a lot of tons that come off of that. Corn, got a lot of tons that come off of that, which means you're going to be moving a lot of grain away from the combine. Then you've got obviously your sprayer trips, and then you've got uh, plants like cotton that you're going across the, every other, every week. You've got a lot of different reasons to go across those acres. You've got a lot of acres to cover. You've got employees. You've got machinery. The point is technology should answer the answer the problem that you have versus answering something that some theoretical guy in a lab came up with your problem point blank is you've got a lot of acres to cover and you can't always get employees to do it i think that's one of the problems you have yeah and of course you know that's that's a growing concern in any business for sure but it's even especially <laughs> growing concern in the in the ag business and i can even go further than that if you're chad henderson living in in huntsville alabama you know, and he's living around 25 factories, you know, the competition for labor in in the less rural areas that people are still farming in, it even makes that worse. But one of our number one concerns, number one expenses is always going to be labor. And it's not just, you know, labor. It's 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 intelligent labor, because even to run the, that fence tractor that, that I demoed, I, I walked up there to try to start it. You were there. And I threw a little temper tantrum. I had to call my 30-year-old son and say, how do you start this thing? You know, so so this new equipment, even out of the autonomy uh, arena, is so scientific now. We'll have three computers in a tractor doing three different things. We may have three applications going, you know, when we're planning. So, uh, you know, it, it it it's already evolved to that. And, and the autonomy side is even going to, if it works. And I want to say this, the two biggest mistakes I've learned of comments that I've made in my lifetime is that will never happen. It will never work on my farm. I've said that all through my farming career and been proven wrong every time. So when the autonomy side come out, I'm like, I'm going to embrace this. It's going to happen. I'm going to figure out how to make it work. Brandon, it's going to work. Probably we're still some getting through some kinks. That's fine. Technology always, you know, seems to prevail. You know, John John Henry versus the steam shovel to uh, to carve through the mountain. The steam shovel won. I wonder if kids even know those fables anymore. But anyway, uh, anyway, nursery rhyme fable. I'm not sure what the hell it is. Tall tale. Anyway, the point is, um, it's probably going to happen. And it's probably going to work. But again, there's there's the the need. Right now, Matt has people to do the work, but also it's a lot of work. I mean, sometimes you're out there like 16-hour days, and as much as we pride ourselves on our work ethic in agriculture, mm-hmm. does autonomy mm-hmm. come to us because it shortens the workload, or what? what is the promise besides the labor issue? Is that the number one thing? We hear it from so many farmers throughout the nation. You know, they tell us, like you just said, Matt, it's not just labor, it's skilled labor, you know, to be able to run these pieces of machinery because they have a lot of technology that's available for them. And oftentimes you don't even get to utilize the full capabilities of that machine until you go through every single button and every single menu on the TV, you know, the monitors and screens. Um, there's a couple of different things that we're trying to do. You know, we're, we're trying to make it easier for the operator, just like guidance did. You know, you, you take guidance systems 15 years ago, they were clunky, um, hard to set up. Sometimes they were difficult to see the satellites. 
you got times when they didn't work and worked and you're nothing more frustrated than than what you were at that moment like well just get it off there i can plant straight you know and i can plant straighter than than this thing can do now today how many pieces of machinery are sold without steering systems on right it gives you a level of comfort that you know you, you can go home at night and still feel fresh we're gonna you know we've done a lot of work when it comes to automating what the operator does you know even turning on the headland for them for example um, being able to automate the lifting and lowering of implements and all the multiple functions so the operator doesn't have to press all those buttons and switches autonomy and, and sorry th those things will bring the level of comfort you know additionally to the op operator autonomy is about shrinking those important windows Okay, so I'm going to pick on just one part of the crop cycle specifically here with harvesting. You know, I've had many farmers tell me, hey, I can plant 5,000 acres, you know, in the springtime with two guys. In the fall, I need an army. It takes an army to get that crop out of there. There's so much ton to get out there. So how do I get the level of people out there, you know, whether it's H-2A contracts, you know, kids from um, high school nearby, to pull out their cousins, uncles, friends, buddies, you know, and then also be able to run that piece of machinery that they may not be familiar with or used to from what they grew up. Autonomy is, I think where the real value is, is shrinking down and compressing those windows for you and giving you a way to scale up your workforce when you need those peak labor times. Harvesting is one of those times specifically. Um, we, the value you see in that, okay, because we're always up against the race against the clock. If you're harvesting and you've got the cotton, for example, and it's, you know, trying to die every single day, or you got your rice coming in with, you know, hurricane winds and, you know, you're going to start dropping, you know, kernels on the ground, you're up against mother nature all the time. So that window of time opportunity, if you don't get it harvested, what does that cost you? If I've got somebody sick on the farm that can't run that grain cart and help me unload this combine, well, I've got a piece of machinery that's going out there that's costing me $300 an hour that I can't utilize and maximize it to keep going up and down the field. But if I had somebody that could run the grain cart tractor and keep that machine going all the time and I don't need to worry about it if somebody's sick or not, then you can keep that window compressed. And that's, I think, what autonomy really brings um, to the table being in. More than anything. Okay. By the way, we've we're on the we've been on the road to autonomy for a while. The machines that uh, <laughs> that we looked at, the one that Matt Miles couldn't start, I couldn't either. By the way, uh, <laughs> um, it's already it's already smart. You know, it's already a smart machine. It's got three computer screens. It's monitoring things that I wouldn't even you know. It's doing stuff that I'm not even. Boom! It's amazing. So we're already on the road to it doing, it already does a bunch of stuff. How far is it until it drives itself? And, and then it's going to become the task, which, which Matt, what's the first thing you see? What's the first thing you see auto <clears throat> being autonomized? Grain cart is one thing I've heard. Fertilizer application is one thing I've heard. Uh, you tell me, what do you think? Well, we can, we already have the capability of syncing our cart with our combine. And and if we've got the right operator in there, most of our carts are operated by H two A workers, and 
And so it's taken a little more time, but we'll take one of our, our more skilled labor and put him in a cart and we'll sink it to the combine. It, that's autonomy one-on-one right there. That cart's going over there. <laughs> combine and cart's talking to each other. The, you know, the, the combine operator does push the button to unload the cart. I mean, unload the combine in the cart, but the cart's sitting there running on its own. You just let go. So, I mean, it's pretty neat. And and a lot of what Brandon said, those those that you've got to hit, those things you got to do that's the most important, uh, you know, that's when it's really going to be uh, very important. Now, in my opinion, the combine operator, and he brought up combine, not the cart, which is exactly the way I feel. The combine operator is, and it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make some of my friends mad. <clears throat> one of the least most important things that that's running during harvest, because it's sitting out there just harvesting the crop. Most of the combines are very automated. Yeah. Uh, so the guy on the cart has got to be there to get the load, take it back to the truck, put it in the right truck, get the tag to the truck, tell them where to go next. So in my opinion, if you can get the harvester as as an autonomous autonomous vehicle that is that's pretty impressive because then you take your other skilled labor and they can go figure out what you got to do with that grain combine is just cutting the grain and putting it in somebody that's got to make the decision you know where it goes and prime examples around bell cotton picker you know i ran cotton pickers my whole life and i panicked with what brandon said we we started with one round bale and i and i didn't even think about this till the middle of the season and i thought if chris gets sick Who's going to run the picker? No one else on the farm knew how to run the picker. You know, today we're running two pickers and there's seven people that know how to operate them. But basically, I get on a million-dollar machine and and I punch a few buttons. And other than turning around on the end, that's all I do. Yeah. So we're getting a, a small amount of autonomy in the last five years, seven years. You know, it's been working up. So – Hey, I was in San Francisco last week and I seen Ubers running around without a driver. That that opened my eyes. I saw that also. Uh here Waymo or something like that. And I, I saw a kid get out of it. I said, Did you just get out of a car with no driver? He said, Yeah, it's awesome. Nobody tried to talk to me. <laughs> so, Brandon, <clears throat> we're we're kind of on the path to this. We've already we've had guidance systems for what, at least 15 years with GPS, etc. Uh, you know, auto steer. Uh, now Matt's talking about sinking between the grain cart and the combine. We're not far away, but then there's the thing that makes you uh, pause. My God, this thing drives and then it does have a failure and it drives across the road and kills somebody. Um, this thing goes and um, spray uh, dumps a load in in a, in a creek, and all of a sudden we now have a, a hazmat situation because we just dumped a bunch of concentrated chemical in a creek. I'm just talking about the worst case scenario that some person might uh, come up with. Is it overblown? I don't think so because it only takes one loss of life, right? And those those are the things that keep us up as an OEM at night, as well as the security of the technology systems too. You know, so being able to treat that highly secure so somebody can't take it over is is a concern that you that we need to absorb that our customers don't need to we want to make sure that you never have to worry about something like that somebody hacking into the system and starting to drive your machine without you actually knowing it um so you so, think the, the the engineering department over there at fent um they're in their white lab coats they're in the lab 
They've got their beakers and their and their crucibles. Okay, I'm not sure what it really yeah. looks like, yeah. but <laughs> is it is it safety? I mean, is that the one thing that's the is that the one thing that gets the that concerns us about turning machines loose? Matt just said he's in he's in one of the largest cities in America. I'm in Phoenix, one of the largest cities in America, and I see cars driving around with some kid sitting in the back on his Twitter feed, and that car ain't got no driver. So maybe we're overblowing this technology somehow has a safety hiccup potential yeah and it's also a lot different too from an off-road vehicle stands obviously with the uh, on highway use you you know you've got your legislation you've got you know drivers in the seat of that car with other passengers obviously in the field itself you know if we could isolate it just to the field boundaries that's a lot easier problem to solve than it is for that piece of machinery to drive from one field to you know 25 miles away to the next field for example um, those we cross a lot of more barriers when it comes to legalities now could we farm autonomously today yes absolutely you know we're with the automation level you have inside those machines and you talked about it earlier out how much technology is inside that fence. You know, those are things you can do today. What's different, however, is the use cases from every farm. So where Matt Miles is in Arkansas, you know, big fields is a lot different than North Dakota fields than it is from Germany fields in, in Bavaria, for example. So field shapes and sizes dictate a lot of how we route plan these machines and get them coordinated together inside that actual farm. I think we've got a long ways to go yet when it comes to moving machines from farm to farm, for example, versus, you know, you're in the field. How do we automate that specifically without drivers inside? That's more achievable, more attainable in the short term. All right. We talked about Chad Henderson. We've been to his place. He's a mile away from factories and then uh, housing units are being built. If if he wants somebody that's semi-skilled, uh, he's going to have to pay up because they can go over and work in construction. They can work at one of those factories running a machine, et cetera. And probably it'd be, it'd be a little bit easier hours because, you know, you're not going to have to run like hell when it's spring planting, whatever. You're in McGee, Arkansas. There's not housing units going up. There's not factories all over the place. It's not nearly as uh, residentially developed or as commercially developed as where he is. So the question I'd say is, I understand why Chad needs autonomy to get without having to worry about employees. Why do you struggle with it where you are? But you still have to go out of the country and get employees, Matt. So why is that? Yeah, well, I mean, it's just it, like I said, it's an, it's one of the number one concerns in agriculture, probably in any business today. Uh, you know, every, no one wants to be a blue collar worker anymore. You know, they all want to. Everybody wants to go to college, whether they can make it or not. And they want to sit behind a desk and they want everything already granted to them. They feel like they've already earned that. So, you know, you take a plumber, a carpenter, a guy that works on a farm, those guys are starting, we're starting to have a shortage of them, those guys. That's why we're going out of the country to get, you know, the employees we have. But anytime you can take human error out of something you're doing, and, and it's proved me wrong, you know, we've got a com computer generated irrigation scheduling program. And I've lost a lot of bets on that, saying that won't work as good as what I can do it. You know, RTK, now maybe in the first days, as Brandon said, it wasn't as good. But you take guidance today, and if a guy says he can outdo the guidance, there's something wrong because he can't do it. And the, and the tighter he gets during the day and the more cell phones he's on, the worse that gets. So if you can take autonomy 
and it's back to the the old word we all use precision farming you know there there'll be things on that machine that will outdo what the human will do i hate to say it yeah. but i've been proved wrong so many times you know is there challenges you know we've got a lot of drainage and wood lots and trees and water you know i can't envision how that's going to work but i couldn't envision um you know some of the things we've done with just the technology we've had and it still worked yeah it's it's you, you see it from the perspective that you've always seen it from and that is the the stumbling block to see it how it would be from a completely different perspective it's the old thing if you want to change things a little bit change what you do if you want to change things big change how you see things and that's really what you're talking about matt you see things from the guy you've been you've been there your whole life weren't it we well, asked that Damon for me versus a guy in South Dakota, you know, Lee farms with a one, maybe two employees. Now what Brandon said is true. Then when you get to harvest, you've got to have eight other people. Where are you going to get those eight people? They hadn't been on a tractor in a year. You've changed your complete operation. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to have a lot of those guys for irrigation. So it's probably not going to be as an, much of an advantage to me as a guy that's farming with two or three employees, but the fatigue that you're putting on those employees, or maybe, maybe you go to two shifts, maybe you run, you can run 24 hours a day with the economy where you can't do that with a human being. So there's still advantages for me, even though I don't, I still have to have a certain amount of employees. Right. So the autonomy, we said, we asked the question and we promised how autonomous machinery will change your farm. So let's start getting into that, Brandon. How's it going to change the farm? It's going to be different by type of farm. It's going to be different by Matt, you know, versus side. Tell me how it's going to change my farm, his farm, their farm, because it's already happening incrementally, but it's not happening equally. Yeah, that's, it's a good point. And that's where you get in the, the question mark of what does autonomy look like to you? What's your vision of autonomy? And everybody has a different answer on that. R2-D2, R2-D2. I want a R2- little round <laughs> robot yeah. that runs around the farm. That, and maybe that's what it is, right? And maybe it's, um, you know, a robot inside the cab of the tractor driving instead of a human, you know, um, maybe it's a, a tiny little swarm vehicle, for example. I'll give you two use cases. Um, I think that kind of resonated to me. I grew up on, you know, a family farm in Nebraska, Northeast Nebraska. And, you know, we, we lost our family farm because, you know, things don't always work out right between relationships. Um, one use case, for example. So typically a, a farmer, you know, a family owned farm, it's dad, it's son. And it, you've got a, a big window to try and hit. And these guys are trying to cover more acres just to absorb the input costs that have gone up so much. So input costs have gone up, machinery costs have gone up. So they got to cover more acres. Well, how do you do that with the same two people that you've got? Um, I talked to one guy in Northern Illinois. He told me, you know what, if, if I had autonomy on the grain cart, I could have been running the semi-truck while my dad was running the combine. And we could have kept that combine going and got done three weeks earlier. I could have saved the farm. In that case, they lost the farm. They couldn't manage it, couldn't hold the acres, and the cost was was absorbent. So that's one thing that really resonated in my own heartstrings of like, man, that that really rang true. And maybe that could have helped me out of my own farm to keep the farm growing up. 
Another okay. use case, I think. The timeliness of getting the work done, autonomy can help. Uh, someone that's undersized. Does this help? Does this help big operators or small operators? Or is it is it equal in its ability to be a benefit? Well, the key word he said is three weeks early. And three weeks early in most of the United mm -hmm. States is, is is a difference in making or breaking. What happens, Matt, if you if you got your grain earlier, and let's pick maybe small grain in this example. I, I don't know rice that well, but you harvested at a better moisture, you got less losses and a better quality. And sometimes you can get a premium on that when you sell it to the elevator. So how much money you make in addition to that, plus you're you're not having that stress of the harvest. Because as that harvest window goes on and on and on, you know, that's when the losses come in, Mother Nature's comes in, and you're more susceptible and you're just the sitting duck out there waiting for things to happen. Um, I think that's one use case. And I, and I don't think there's one size that fits all with with all of this. You know, that's a, a smaller family farm operation. Let's take a bigger operation now, for example, just coordination. You know, the effectiveness and coordination inside the same field. Oftentimes you got multiple machines, two, three, four combines coordinating with two, three, four grain cart operators and how many tractors and the inefficiencies you may have inside that that same window or, you know, may cause accidents or, you know, things happen, for example. That's another use case. Um, and I'll finish on one more. I think, you know, we're in a 24-hour-a-day society now. You know, not, not too many people sleep, right? So um, the ability for application equipment to spray at nighttime, I think, is super important, too, because during the daytime, it's so windy. And those windows to get fungicide applied, herbicide applied. Well, not to mention where, in case you haven't heard this, Brandon, Matt Farms in a part of, you think there's 50 states. And you even probably have heard of most of them. You've never heard of the state called Little Vietnam. That's where he farms. That's so, where it's monsoon, monsoon or dry, right? So if he's trying to spray, if he's trying to spray at 2.30 in the afternoon in July or August, there's either going to be uh, locusts, uh, python snakes uh, could be uh, could be a typhoon. Uh, it could be 106 degrees and 99 percent humidity. You've never even hey, you've never understood. He's you know what I think he does. He kind of overcompensates. Our friend Temple always has to carry on about how good a farmer he has to be to work up in Maryland because the environmental regulations or something. He's always got something. And then Matt had to overcompensate and like, yeah, well, you think you got it bad. I farm in little <laughs> Vietnam. That's what he says. He can't spray, he can't spray at three yeah. in the afternoon where he lives. I will vouch for that because it's like 106 degrees. I'm not excited about beating snakes off the sprayer steps to get in the cab by any means, but that's Every exactly what happens. You know, Matt, you speak to it here, you know, specifically that those, those are the things when it's midnight to 6 a.m. and the winds die down and you're going, man, I could have got this done. That's when it matters. Yeah. And what's that that cost of opportunity cost cost you? Those are the calculations that need to be done. Oh, well, Thomas, to, even the condition of the spraying, like the the <clears throat> efficacy of the spray. So if I'm trying to spray in the afternoon, we have to do that. You know, the the heat you know, the efficacy of what we're trying to put out, it cuts it, you know, it cuts it down. So yeah, if we could go out there and spray at night, you know, I'm scared to let my 120 foot booms out there at night with tree lines and everything else. But if we're looking at true autonomy, 
you know, we could set those sprayers up at night and, and, and get an atrocious amount done. And not only back to your comment on the harvest, you know, there's a huge yield difference in planting my beans in March and there is planting them in May, not including the risk of the harvest. So there's, there's, everything points back to this would be advantage to every farmer. So do Are you, you double cropping? We do Sorry, some. Do yeah, we he's do. Gonna do he's going to do less this year, uh, 2024. And we covered that in another episode. So thank you, Brandon. Basically that's a segue to let me promote all of the awesome episodes. In case you're listening to this, we did an episode, me and Matt, about why he's going to do way less double cropping because it turns out he can, with wheat prices being a little depressed, he can make more money off of planting conventional soybeans early versus putting in wheat and then following them late season for double crop soybeans, or as he calls them, wheat beans. Anyway, go and check that out, dear listener. Awesome episodes that we've produced uh, here at the Business of Eric. I'm sorry, at the uh, Cutting the Curve podcast. Um, could you do me a favor then? We talked about planting. A planter then could be autonomous and it could be running more hours of the day, which would then help you out by getting your planting done early, which makes yield for Matt. At some point, you, you got to go to bed. At some point, you got to you got to you know take a break. Then we talked about timeliness of uh, spraying. You could utilize the cooler, less windy evening hours to your sprayer. So I've heard a lot about timeliness. That seems like the big one. We heard about labor saving. How else will autonomous machinery change my farm? I'm sure, Matt. Um, I bet all of your soil types are identical across all of your footprint. And everything's easy, right? I'm not Kelly Garrett. <laughs> he has so. he has he has this thing called sharky clay. I don't know what it is, but if you take a trench and go through it, the chunks roll up and they're about the size of a fender on a '57 Chevy. <laughs> so, so you think about the inconsistencies even across you know the road from one field to another field. The I think there's going to be a way, just like, you know, if you're mowing your yard, you got a big lawnmower and you got a little lawnmower to get it done to get those fringe edges. I think there's, you know, maybe call this the fourth use case of smaller fleet machinery that are autonomous that can work together to get those fringe areas that you may not have been able to get to because your machines are too big and too heavy for the big open fields that you've got today that you have to have to cover those. So if in parallel, you can do everything at one time with two different systems. You can keep and retain your big machines for the big fields. And they maybe have, in addition to that, some smaller machines to cover the tough areas of soil types that are just so extreme you can't get it, but you know you need to get it done. And that'll boost up your yield and improve your, your um, overall efficiencies as well, too. So, Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Great. I heard spraying. I heard planting. Um Tillage, which we still do more tillage than we probably should. Some places yeah. it's more called for is autonomous machinery. It seems that it would get harder. I can see it doing, I can see it planting. I can see it spraying. Some things where you're pulling a bunch of implements seems like it's harder for my brain to wrap around autonomously accomplishing that task. Am I wrong to think that? I call it the autonomous tractor so whatever implement it's pulling you can have a the same tractor you have today without a driver into it so whether it's pulling a planter um, if they can do a planter it can definitely do tillage for example without the driver in it if they can do tillage it can do 
you know, an advanced step like drain cart tending, for example, or it can pull potentially a full type sprayer if you don't have, you know, the option for a big self-propelled machine. So I think, you know, phrasing it up as an autonomous tractor, you think about all the jobs that that tractor does, it can do those equally as well because it has the automation steps inside to already handle multiple functions at one time, turning on the headland, raising the implement, lowering the implement, the things that you do with your fingers that we can already program today. Those things we can do. It's just now removing that driver out of the cab to run it at any hours of the day. Matt, does it help yields? I mean, we talk about how autonomous machinery is going to change your farm. Is it going to change it for the better in terms of things like yield, in terms of uh, and natural resource uh, uh, conservation? Um, is it going to change it? I'm just thinking through things that beyond just getting a driver out of the seat. Is it change it for the better for those things? Well, when you can hit those windows, you know, as Brandon was talking about, that's going to increase yield. And and soil type, I can see that when you started bringing that up. You know, we'll have five soil types in the same field. Yep. So the lower end will be real heavy. You know, if you can have a smaller machine doing the work there that, you know, it's not so spongy on, you have your bigger machines in the better dirt, you know, I could see that would be a, a benefit to get the whole field planted at one time instead of waiting three or four days for the lower end to dry up. Then you've got one of them's too dry, one of them's too wet. You know, you never can get that together. Uh, the disadvantages I see in, in a field with soil types like that, where you're talking about the fingers, you know, there's still a human element where you turn around on the end and you're like, I got to pick this up just one click, you know, mm -hmm. so it'll teal or, or whatever. So, you know, that's going to be a human side that the machine wouldn't be able to detect. I say it wouldn't, like I said, I've been proved wrong many times. Uh, but you know, getting that, getting that crop in a, I'm not going to just say early on beans. Mine's the early deal. Getting the crop in on time, yeah. you know, in that timely window. So if autonomy helps with that, uh, you know, and, and that's where some of the night applications come in. You know, if you could put up, and, and, that, and that was a question I have for Brennan. Do you see it having a cab? You know, you, you mentioned going from field to field 25 miles. You're going to need something for that guy to be able to, maybe get it there? Is there times that way you could use it both ways? I think it's, uh, you know, and those are the questions like when you ask, what does it look like? There's not a cookie cutter approach to it because automating that, you know, tender to a sprayer, that's difficult to do. Somebody's still got to get out, hook up the nozzle, pump the water in and chemicals inside, right? And then you can let the sprayer go, for example. So, Brandon, get me out of here. How autonomous machinery will change your farm? That's the last question. This isn't just that I have to go and acquire brand new stuff. I see this, and this is part of the the maybe the Trimble tie-in and whatever. You're going to have retrofit technology that can go into a five-year-old machine that I already have and make it autonomous, I'm assuming. How it can help your farm and the investments that I see our CEO making, you know, Eric Hansodia, our CEO, his vision is to automate the full crop cycle by 2030. You know, he's come out publicly stating that how he's doing that to make those steps available is a dual path approach. So we're definitely going to offer those vehicles ready from the factory where we can order that as a new machine available that you can get today um, with that capability. 
But in parallel to that, it's that retrofit capability. So if you got a machine today, and like you just said, Matt, I don't want to spend the upgrade cost just to get a piece of autonomous piece of machinery. Well, it cost an arm and a leg. Well, we've got the capability to retrofit those solutions. Um, we made huge investments into that. Um, some of those companies that we've acquired, one of them is JCA that we've acquired. We saw that live working in the field, not too far from you, Matt, actually in Kentucky, where we had the autonomous tractor pulling the grain cart and then also running the baler, um, picking up windrows. Those were such solutions. We had the base machine that we added this retrofit capability to to make it even smarter and to give it that competitive edge. There's some things you can't do, like you may not be able to have all the bells and whistles, but sometimes you want GPS in your 1984 Mercury Cougar and you get that with the TomTom, -Tom, right? So you may not have all the bells and whistles and luxury that you've got on your current machine, but it gives you that flexibility. And I think our message is farmer first. And to me, that's farmer first. We're not going to try and drill you into something that you don't have to buy necessarily just to have the technology. I think we're going to leave it right there. Uh, the company's called Fent, and we've been doing a lot of trials with them here. There was one on Matt's farm. There was one on Lee's farm. The sprayer was on Chad's farm. So we're going to be doing and seeing more of that stuff, how autonomous machinery will, how autonomous machinery will change your farm. It's coming. It's coming, and I think it's a subject we'll probably revisit again. So thanks for being here. His name is Brandon Montgomery. He is the brand manager for Fent, and, of course, Matt Miles, uh, your favorite McGee, Arkansas area farmer till next time thanks for being here you're listening to extreme ash cutting the curve thank you thank you that's a wrap for this episode of cutting the curve but there's plenty more check out extremeag.farm where you can find past episodes instructional videos and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm cutting the curve is brought to you by advanced drainage systems the leader in agriculture water management solutions